appreciative for this opportunity to be here tonight. I say that often, but I don't take it lightly. I'm not just saying that just to be saying something. I'm very serious about being here and worshiping and being with you tonight. I also appreciate what you do for this church. I know I say that often as well, but uh, I was here earlier tonight um, getting ready for this, and uh, I was just so impressed. People come early. They, th this music that we hear, the media that we see, the building being open and ready and cool, this don't just accidentally happen. People work really hard at this. So you all behind the scenes, I know the, the singers and the musicians, they do such a great job, and they do get a little bit of uh, credit for that. Not enough, but some of those guys back there that open the building and that tend to things around here and that work on the media, and the only time they get attention is just when the sound is a little too loud or not loud enough or something, but guys, thanks so much for all you do. <laughs> and thanks to each of you for all that you do. It's my privilege to uh, be able to, to preach to you just for a few minutes tonight. And I am going to uh, speak to you about a, a subject that is very personal to me. It's something I'm very passionate about. And I believe uh, it's probably also passionate uh, and, and really close to many of your hearts. Uh, but for those of you that haven't gotten into this yet, I'm hoping that we can just tease you a little bit and make you want to jump in. And for those of you that are involved, uh, I'm hoping we can just inspire you and make you dig in just a little bit deeper. But actually, this topic came to me um, earlier this year when Pastor uh, began doing his series, Journey Through Genesis. The first night, I know that many of you were here. It probably touched you just the way it did me, but uh, the very first night that Pastor began that series, Journey Through Genesis, he started right in Genesis 1. He gave a little preface there uh, even before that, but uh, then he jumped right in, and he started talking about the words of creation, and he talked a lot about the word. And he got off the scripture just a little bit and just talked about the power of the word of God. And that just really grabbed my heart and began pulling at me because I realized the power in that word of God. And wheels started turning, and I believe God started speaking to me at that time. And I believe I started preparing something to, to preach to you tonight at that point about six months ago. And since that time, things have been coming into my life and into my thoughts and I've been preparing that uh, and so tonight I want to speak to you not just on journey into Genesis that pastor is speaking but I want to expand that just a little bit and talk to you about a journey into the word in my generation um, it was commonly accepted that it was a good thing to read the Bible Unfortunately, I'm not sure that's, that's true anymore. Uh, I hope it is. I'm going to do all I can to make that true, but certainly in my generation, it was, it was commonly accepted that, yeah, you need to read the Bible. It's good. Let's, let's read the Bible. It's really important. And I was blessed to have parents who taught me to read the Bible. My mom and dad taught me the Bible. They, they read the Bible to me. Um, and actually, my mom passed away in 1995, very early age from a heart condition, but uh, my dad and my sister somehow 
allowed me to capture one treasure. That's my mom's Bible. In a slide one, I want to show you a picture of my mom's Bible. And just in preparing this in this sermon tonight, uh, as I've thought about this and worked on it for the last few days, it's occurred to me. I always like to bring my Bible to church, and I always have my Bible out. I'm writing something in my Bible, and I enjoy that. I like making notes about things I see in here. And I just realized that maybe this is, came from my mom doing this. And here you see my mom's Bible. This is just the way it was when she passed away. In 1995, it has all her notes in there. There's her little orange pen that she used to write right in her Bible during church. Sorry, but that's special to me. But early on, they taught me you're supposed to read the Bible. So I read the Bible. So in my house, you were supposed to read your Sunday school lesson before Sunday, and you were supposed to read chapters, and you were supposed to bring an offering, and you went to Sunday school on Sunday. I'm thankful for that. So my mom would always make sure, and my dad, okay, well, you, did you read your Sunday school lesson yet? So I just remember one Saturday when I was very young, uh, and I did, it was a Saturday afternoon, and I didn't read my Sunday school lesson yet, and my mom was asking me about it, so I was a little bit upset. Uh, probably didn't want to do that right then, but I just got my Sunday school book, and I just went out on the back porch, and I'd seen big kids at, you know, in my subdivision or something. they just, like, go sit out. Maybe they were studying or something. They would have the radio going, and they'd be on a quilt out in the front yard or whatever. So I just went out on the back porch, and I brought my Sunday school book out there, and I turned my, brought me a big radio out there. And I just turned it up loud. I had some rock music blasting while I was reading that Sunday school lesson. But, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, really. I didn't know I needed to read the Bible. I didn't know what was going on. But I was out there. I did something with it. But that was one of my first experiences is reading. Just people told me to go read. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to go read if I need to read. I didn't really get much out of it then. But I just read. And then, you know, as I grew just a little bit more, and they, they, were, they were telling me, when you go to Sunday school, you got to check this little box, and they will find out if you gave an offering, and if you're here, if you brought a guest, and if you read some chapters. So I would read some chapters. They, they would want, my, my mom and dad would want to know how many chapters I read. So on the way to church, I got good at it. I would read me some chapters. I wanted to get some prizes and awards. So on my next slide here, I'm sorry, I'm just going to get real personal with this tonight. So on my uh, slide two, I'm just going to show you a copy of the Bible that I used to use. I don't know exactly how old I was when I got this Bible, but it's got a lot of wear and tear on it. But you can just pr pretty much uh, open it up, and it'll fall right to Psalms 117. <laughs> there you go. <coughs> no markings. <coughs> All you have to do is just drop it. It'll fall open to 117. <laughs> for those of you who know, maybe some of you read Psalm 117 before also. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. I read that, I don't know how many hundreds of times, but I'm, I'm just trying to add a little humor here. But suffice it to say, I read these chapters a lot. They didn't ask you which chapters you were reading when you went. They just asked you how many chapters did you read. So I read 117. You know, from one, from Psalm 109 to 117, all the way up really to uh, 135, they got tons of chapters right here with just like eight and nine, ten verses in them. I could run up the score really quickly right there. But this was some of my first exposure to the Word and digging in. I didn't really know what I was doing there, but I was doing something. But, you know, as I was preparing this uh, on slide three, you will see, Another view from my little Bible 
that my parents gave me and that I completely wore the cover out of carrying it around and reading Psalm. But, you know, it, it struck me when I looked at this. There's Psalm 117 right on the left page. And look what's on the right page. Every time I open that chapter, every time I open that Bible on the Saturday or Sunday morning on my way to church, look at that. Look at what story I saw right there. It hadn't been but several months ago that I spoke to you all about that story. That was making an impact on my life even before I really knew what was happening there. But you know, as, as Pastor has tried to teach us here at LifePoint about worship, he actually got into one of my other favorite scriptures right here that my Bible pretty much falls open to. Right at the end of Psalms uh, chapter 150. Very, very important scripture that I bet many of you students who are a little bit further along than some others can tell us all about. But I think it's worth spending just one minute on just some of those short chapters that I just read just to be reading and that just jumped out and that make a, a difference to me right now and that make a difference to this church and it's what pastor is teaching us. Psalm 150 says, praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. This is what pastor talks about when he says, you know, if you knew this, if you hadn't tried this worshiping, why don't you just try a little bit of it? Well, this is what he's talking about right here. David wrote this so long ago. Uh, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. It says, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. That's what all we do up here all the time. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. That's what our brother Seth was doing tonight. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. He was wearing out that high-sounding cymbal right there, doing a great job. Let's give it up for Seth. <clears throat> Let every, this is, I like this verse right here. This is one of those chapters, it just has six verses. It's powerful. The sixth one says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. You all see me jumping back there a little bit sometime. I hope that doesn't distract you. I'm experimenting with new steps. I want to do more. I want, I, want to go, I want to get more zealous. The Bible says in chapter 156, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. God meant us to praise him. After I began working on this, this past weekend, Pastor came, and now he's doing a different series. He's doing the Journey Through Genesis series on Wednesday night. On Sunday, for recently, he's been doing the Joshua Generation. I, I enjoy these. Pastor spends so much time studying this. I love it. I can't wait to get here and see what we're going to hear next. But in the Joshua Generation, very, very exciting to me. You see, I like Moses. The last time I had the chance to, to spend with you here, I believe we spoke about Moses, and I talked about running your race. Joshua generation involves Moses, and Moses led the children of Israel. He did such an amazing job, but Moses didn't live forever. One day Moses died, and God still wanted the children of Israel to continue. He had more miracles that he wanted to, to do, and so Joshua stepped up, and Joshua became the leader. But what pastor has been telling us for the last few weeks is it wasn't enough for them to have Moses. You know, Moses was so instrumental in dealing with the Ten Commandments. Moses led the children. He did amazing things. He led them 
for years and years through difficult circumstances. He was over there and was the one that was instrumental in bringing them out of Egypt. But he wasn't intended to be there forever. And there was another generation came along, and the pastor said, the Joshua generation had to find it for themselves. And that's one thing that was so important to me as I'm studying this. pastor said there's two things that the Joshua generation had to do. And we are the Joshua generation. There's so many people that have gone before us. They've done so much. It's been wonderful. We've heard about miracles. We've heard about unbelievable things happening. But now it's our turn. And we can't rest on what's been done before. It's our turn, and we have to do something for ourselves. And pastor said there are two things that are so important, the presence of God and the word of God. And, and he's going to continue this series. I hope we don't uh, step on each other here. I hope I don't mess up his topic. But this fits completely in with what God's been dealing with me about since January, the word of God. So I'm hastening here to talk just a little bit tonight about the word of God. And <coughs> excuse me, I want to get into more details and more meat about the word but in, in passing I have to address uh, how to read the word and again I know that we have so many students in the house tonight you folks know the word so much and I don't mean to be speaking down to you I'm speaking I'm among scholars but I'm just I love talking about the word and I, I can learn stuff from you uh, and I share what I've been able to pick up on but for those of you that haven't developed this habit and haven't been addicted to the word yet and haven't dug in, there's so many ways to read the word nowadays. And, you know, I can't, can't spend time going down this, this trail that I'd like to here, but how can we not read the word? You know, if there's one person that has all the answers to the issues in life and we someone gave us a copy of the book uh, and we didn't read it and we didn't benefit from it, what a tragedy. You know, what if I had this disease and they didn't know what to do with it. And one person figured it out, and he wrote it in a book. And what if I find in myself as I go through life? What if I came home, and there's a copy of his book with the answers in it on my coffee table? And what if I get in my car, and I'm driving around, and there's a copy of his book in my side door pocket here? And, you know, what if I have actually a little small version that I have in my pocket sometime? But what if I had all these books with all the answer in there, and I never read it, and I died? Or what if somebody in my family died? Or what if my neighbor died just because I didn't read the book? So, pardon me, I can't get distracted by that too much. We had to read this book. There's so many ways out there. I don't want to spend a lot of time going through those. Back in the day, uh, Pastor said that we can do that. Back in the day. So there were these pamphlets, and they were called uh, Bible Reading Enriches Any Day, B-R-E-A-D. So they had it all listed out there. You just check the block. You'll read every day. It had like three different sections. You read that. At the end of the year, if you wanted to go be that zealous, you read the Bible through. It'll take about 15 minutes a day. Well, that's old school now. And then they got Bible on CD. And then they got version, which my daughter just showed me two or three years ago, and wow. So now I don't have any excuses at all. I don't even have to get out the Bible. I don't even have to be awake. I don't, I'm just, just barely awake. I don't even have to be uh, sitting up. I can do this while I'm shaving. I can do this while I'm dressing. I can do this while I'm driving. All you got to do is just press the button, and people read the Bible to you. But we'll say that for another time. So <coughs> why do we need to read the Bible? I'm just going to give you three big picture points, uh, and I have to move really quickly. But the first simple reason that you need to read the Bible is, and I hope this is not too simple for you, because it's the story of your life. 
You know, it, it surprises me sometimes. I've met people and they'd say, well, you know, I used to be doing this and now I'm kind of over here and, you know, I really just don't know what my purpose is in life. And I understand that really because I've, I've had times when I'm not sure exactly which the way I'm supposed to go and what all I'm supposed to do, so that's cool. But really, you know, if you read the Bible, if you hear what pastor's preaching right here, it gives you a sense of purpose. From reading this word right here, I know what happened back in the Bible days. I know what happened in the days when the apostles walked the earth. I find myself, I find right in the Bible where I fit right here. And I know what's going to happen in the next chapter. So it gives me a sense of my purpose. And if I know what this scripture says, it helps me to feel really good about my purpose and my mission right now. The other, the second, <coughs> second reason why I read the Bible is because of this one um, principle that I hold pretty close to me. What you read and what you hear is what you are. So, again, I'm speaking to myself tonight, just trying to learn here. <coughs> what are you reading? What are you listening to on your podcast, via podcast? Um, what is it you want to become? Probably, you apparently want to become whatever you're listening to and whatever you're reading because that's what you're going to become. So, you know, unfortunately at my age, there's a lot of disadvantages to being my age, but there's a few advantages. And so sometimes I like reflecting. People do that when you get my age. And so I reflect sometime and I say, wow, it's just interesting to think about the people that most influenced my life. I say, what if I have a top ten list of people that most influenced my life? That's a fun topic. And uh, what about the top five or six books that influenced my life? Very interesting topic. Well, what's influencing your life? But I have one book that I want to tell you about here that influenced my life. Uh, pretty. I have to move quickly. I'm running out of time, and i got a lot of stuff I want to say. I have a book here, uh, slide four. This is called Margin. Short of it is, I was listening to James Dobson's radio program, and he had a medical doctor on there, and the guy was talking about uh, the book Margin. And he basically said, we're too busy. We don't take care of our bodies. We don't take care of our finances. We don't take care of our time. We have no margin in our life. I went and got this book, and I read it straight through, and I read it several times, and I started passing it out, encouraging everybody else around me to read it. But it tells me some interesting things. Um, one thing it said was, and maybe I should just stop here and, and take a little quiz. Uh, this guy's a medical doctor, so he talks a lot about the body. He talks a lot about your health and what you need to do to maintain your health, your finances, and your time management. But he talked about health a little bit. It kind of got my attention. My mom died at, at, uh, at age 53. So it's kind of an interesting topic. She died from heart disease. He talks a lot about the heart here. So I have learned that the human body, and I may need to defer to Tyler and some medical professionals here, and Brennan, uh, I understand that there must be about six quarts of blood in the body. And so you all know, I mean, I think everybody uh, works with um, gallon jugs. You know, I think a gallon of water weighs nine pounds. We all sometimes pick up a gallon of milk. So, you know, what happens if you have something special coming up and you'll get like four gallons and you pick all that up and put it in your buggy and you bring it to your car. So just how many gallons, let's take just like, uh, first ones to raise your hand here. So how many gallons of blood do you think uh, your body your heart pumps per day. Somebody. 
okay? So we know that if you would, like, fill your buggy up with, like, 20 gallons, you wouldn't hardly be able to push it. And if you got, like, 25 gallons, you wouldn't be able to get it in your SUV. Okay, the body, it pumps 2,000 gallons of blood per day. I know you don't believe me. Just go home and read it. 2,000 gallons, okay? The athlete's heart pumps about 8 gallons of blood per minute, per minute. Okay, so I don't have much time to spend on that, uh, but suffice it to say, this book right here, it's, it, it changed my life. What I read is what I became. My mom just died from heart disease. These people are telling me all about heart disease. Now, the most important thing I pulled out of that was your, your heart pumps 2,000 gallons of blood per day. Read about it. I, I, you still don't believe me. If you exercise just three times a week, I'm not talking about like lifting weights and sweating and all that. I'm talking about if you do 30 minutes of exercise per day. I mean, 30 minutes of exercise just three times a week. Just walk. Just jog. It improves your heart's efficiency 25%. So rather than pumping 2,000 gallons of blood next week, it only has to pump 1,500 gallons that, that day. That's a big deal. So I'm just being dramatic here to try to show you what we read makes a difference. It made a difference in what I eat and what I put in my body. It made a difference whether I go jogging or whether I walk. What we read and what we hear is what we are. Another book that I came across that these books seem kind of simple to you, but they made a pretty big impact on my life. After 25 years, I still remember all this. I pulled this book off my shelf, and I went right to it. I thought it was like 12 or 1,300 gallons, and actually this guy says 1,600. I did a lot of research. It's between 1,600 and 2,000, but these things stuck with me. What you read is really important. There's another book that was important to me. Slide five uh, is a picture of the book that someone gave me, You Gotta Have the Want To. Okay, and I can tell that some people know this, and I'm way out of time, so I gotta run fast, but the short of it is, Alan Oggs is a pastor, a, a speaker that most of us know something about, but just in, in essence of time here, Alan Oggs uh, was born with cerebral palsy. The man was seriously uh, limited. He um, had so many limitations, and, and basically he struggled in school. He talks a lot in the book about trying to learn to ride a bike. He talked to his bike. It was really, really difficult to him. I don't have time to get into all that, but wow, the struggles that this man went through. But the thing that, that stuck with me, when he was graduating from high school, he made it all the way through. They didn't think he would get that far. They, they assessed him, and they said they were amazed at what had happened. Uh, but basically, based on his condition, he was going to be able to go to a college of his choice, free of charge, on a scholarship, just because of his condition. And they said, okay, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be a pastor. I want to go to Bible school. I want to be a preacher. And his counselor was named Landry. Landry said, what are you talking about? You can't hardly walk. You can't hardly talk. And those of you that know this man, you know he's almost to the platform, and he can't pronounce his words very good. He doesn't say a lot of words, but they're strong words that he says. Short of it is, he told Landry, he said, yeah, I want to go to Bible school. I want to be a preacher. And jumping to conclusion, Landry said, you can't, why don't you choose something that you can do? Why don't you choose a curriculum that you can finish and do something that you can accomplish and be successful at? And, and so he said, yeah, that's it. I'm going to Bible school and I'm going to be a preacher. And so short of it is, many years later, uh, 
Alan Knox, he became a preacher. He was invited to speak at a national conference, and after preaching there every night, one night he found himself with hundreds of people in the room, everybody shouting. He had been speaking to them for every night that week. And he looked around all over. He said, Landry, Landry, where are you? Look what we did. That became a rallying cry for me when I read this. He said, Landry didn't think he could do it. This man's preaching at count meetings. He's preaching at conferences now. He said, Landry, where are you? Look what we did. That became a rallying cry for the Butler family. When we win, when we cross the finish line, we say, Landry, look what we did. Last week, I'm trying to get into sailing right now. Last week, we went on a, a sailing excursion. We went out on a different kind of boat that we had never sailed before. Just the three of us, my wife and my son and I. And so we didn't know whether we'd get back. It was the wind came up a little bit more than we expected while we were out there. And we were really shaken and we were scared, and some of us were commenting one way or the other. But anyway, somehow we survived it. Guess what? We sailed that thing out there. We went all over Foss River. We sailed it right back up to the dock and docked it. Everybody was safe. We didn't, we didn't capsize. No problems. But right, right when we got kind of headed back to the dock, and it was pretty certain that we were going to make it then, somebody said, Landry, Landry, look what we did. I'm just telling you, what we read, what we hear, is what we are. I'm talking about reading and hearing good stuff. I'm talking about reading the Word. So, I can't believe this uh, time gets away the way it does here. When you read something, when you really meditate on it, when you listen to it, it affects the way you act. But... I want to talk more now about the Word of God. There's another factor that comes into play when you read the Word of God. You can read these scriptures. I have read them, and they do make me want to act like the people I'm reading about. And I do start to live my life like that. But there's something else that happens when you read the Word of God. This is what Pastor was talking about. It's what really got me started on this sermon that I'm, I'm, I'm preaching tonight. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years by over 35 different people from all walks of life, shepherds, kings, fishermen, physicians, and soldiers, yet it all is in perfect harmony. There's not an error in it. There's not one contradiction anywhere in it. All these 35 people over 1,500 years wrote the Bible, and it's in perfect harmony. This is the inspired word of God that we're talking about. It's important for me to read these books because they, ca they cause me to do better things with my life. It's much more important for me to read this book. Not only does it cause me to change the way I act, but it, something really magical happens when I read that word. My body and my mind becomes anointed, and I start doing things that I couldn't do in the flesh. Just a few scriptures right here. Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Genesis 1, 3, this is some of the stuff that um, Pastor read to us the other day. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and use my, my daughter. Uh, when we first started coming to LifePoint in 2010, we came here in May and June for Father's Day. 
I told my daughter I needed a giant print Bible. So this is my giant print Bible that she got me right here. But you can see, since I've been at LifePoint, uh, Pastor has brought me a lot. He's brought me through this book. This book is, is worn out. I just replaced it about a year and a half ago. But these books are important to me. I hope you don't mind if I take a little time telling you about them tonight. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be firmament in the midst of the waters. This is verse 6, and there was. Verse 11, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit yielding fruit, and there was. Verse 14, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let there be signs, and there was. I could go on here. I'm, I'm rushing uh, because we're out of time here, but this is powerful right here. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When I'm living life, when I'm going to do business in tough environments, when I'm dealing with difficult situations, that's what I want. I want, I want power with me that's quick and sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. That is the scripture that I'm telling you about. So, you know, you say, well, okay, that's good. Uh, I hear it, you know, that's cute verses, they sound good, yeah, I hear you, it's all, the Bible's all consistent, but really, you know, here I am, in case you didn't notice, I'm in 2017, I'm in the real world, well, this works in the real world, the stuff I'm telling you about, why don't you put it to the test, in 1994, the Butler family had a pretty tough year, uh, actually, I had just started a law firm, my wife and I had just started a law firm, Things were going really good for us. We had all kind of cases coming in, but we weren't settling many. We weren't winning money. We didn't, couldn't get any trial to get any money out of them. So God, well, I knew God was with us because things were really good. We, just, we had lots of good things happening. We had lots of cases, but we couldn't get any of them to settle, and we couldn't get any of them to trial. So we were kind of struggling. And particularly on my wife's birthday, January 29th, 1994, we had this case that was supposed to settle, and we were going to get a $27,000 fee out of it. That's a pretty good bit of money when you need to pay the light bill. So we were all fired up. We had this little trip planned. It was my wife's birthday. But the only thing was the case didn't settle. It was a workers' compensation case. They don't have to settle those cases. They just, it's a change in management on the, on the other side over there at the insurance company. They didn't want to settle the case anymore. And they never settled it. I never got the $27,000. But anyway, that was unfortunately just the beginning of 2000. Uh, of 1994 it was 1994 was bad but we kept going to church we kept reading the word we kept listening to preaching and so actually when we were going to church at the time one of my um, pastor's favorite chapters thank God was Deuteronomy 28 so I'm really out of time I have to hurry uh, slide 6 shows a copy of my favorite Thompson Chain Bible that I was reading at the time. My pastor, he loved Deuteronomy 28. He was always telling about that, and he would say, go home and read it. And you've heard me, I've told many of you that. I, I, I try to follow those things that work for me. But I, I've told you about Deuteronomy 28. I said, go home and read it. But uh, I'm hastening here. So basically, we need a, we need a breakthrough. You know that song? I, I think they might have been writing that about us. We need a breakthrough. So I had been reading this chapter that my pastor told me about. I've been reading all the stuff in the Word. Um, and so one day, I called a little family meeting, and my wife came in there, and I said, babe, 
we got we to gotta have something. We got to have a breakthrough. So pastor's been telling us about this scripture here. I don't know what it means, but we got to find out. And I just challenge you. Go ahead and make your note. Go home and read Deuteronomy 28. I, I don't have nearly have a time to do this verse justice, but the short of it is, it says, um, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And so the short of it is, I, I don't have time to do this, but for the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28, it talks about some amazing things that are going to happen. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be blessed in the field. You're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be above and not beneath. You're going you're to be it. And then at verse 14, it says, uh, verse 15, it says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, these other things are going to happen. And then through the end of that chapter, verse 28, it talks about some negative things that are going to happen if you don't hearken. So short of it was, I told my wife, we had that little meeting. I was sitting in that recliner in our house over there in Woodland Ridge, and I said, babe, we, I don't know what this means. I don't have a clue what it means to hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, but we got to find out. And moving along, we prayed, we fasted, we read, we studied, we did everything we could. Somehow we learned to hearken. I'm just telling you, this is, it's about old times. It was written a long time ago. It was written over 1,500 years, but it worked in 1994. I'm here to tell you, if I wanted to, my wife, none of them know what I was going to talk about tonight, but if I wanted to, I could call on her, and she could tell you about those times when someone came after us one way, and they fleed seven ways. That's what that scripture says. My son could tell you about those times when we've been blessed in the field and blessed in the city. This is, this is real stuff. This is powerful that I'm talking about right here. There's one other book that has significantly influenced my life. That is a book written by Mark Batterson. <coughs> Slide eight. <coughs> this book's called The Circle Maker. Many of you might have had it. It's a powerful book. But the short of it is, really, really rushing to get along here, uh, Honai was a gentleman that lived way back in the first uh, century B.C., a long time ago. But the bottom line is he was known, th this was in a period of time when there was 400 years of silence, and they hadn't had miracles in a long time. There weren't the prophets, they were, they were long ago. There wasn't much happening during this 400 years of silence, but Israel was in a drought. It was in a bad situation. And Honai came out there, and the short of it is Honai had a six-foot-long staff, and he got out in the sand, and he drew a line around himself with that big chef, with that big staff. And he kept going, and he drew some circles around there, and he said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy unto your children. Everybody was out there that day. They knew they were about to perish. They knew how important this was. And they knew that he was a man of prayer and that he had called down rain before, but he hadn't done it in a long time, and there wasn't much power going around then, and they were all waiting to see what was going to happen, and as his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops began to fall. The people got really excited about that, and it came down into a sprinkle, and everybody got really happy, but Honai didn't move out of the circle. 
he stayed right in the circle. And he kneeled down again. He knelt down there and raised his hands up. And he said, I like these prayers. You can go pray these if you want to. He said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. And it rained so heavily that the people fled to the Temple Mount to escape flash floods. This is what I learned in this book that I read here. And just in case, you see, I frankly read that a long time ago. I've been blessed by it for six, seven years, however long ago that was I read it. But, you know, as I'm about to speak to you about it tonight, I said, I probably need to just Google this up and find out a little bit more about Honai. In case you got any questions, just check out Wikipedia. It knows all about Honai. It, tells, it knows all about this story right here. After it came flash floods, he said, he prayed again. He said, not for such rain have I prayed that flash floods, but for rain thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. And when he prayed that prayer, the flooding stopped and the drenching rain stopped, and it was just a calm rain that just saturated the land and was just what they needed. This was a powerful prayer that Honai prayed. And I've said, wow, in my life, I'm like, you know, 1994 was a bad year. It wasn't, it wasn't the last bad year I had. That was just a stopping point. That was just something I want to tell you about. 2016 was bad, too. 2016 was horrible. But I had read this scripture right here. I had read this book. And what I read and what I hear is what I am. So in 2016, the rest of that book is, for those of you that have read it or those that you want to, to, to dig deeper, he goes and talks about, in the book, Mark Batterson, amazing amazing writer, but he talks about the battle of Jericho and the walls of Jericho. And just coincidentally, pastor preached this to us this past week. And so bottom line was uh, Joshua, they needed to, to take the city of Jericho. God had told them many years before they were going to do that, but they were expecting it to just come over to them. Somehow it never did, but God used this mysterious plan to do it, and pastor talks all about it. I, I don't want to get back into it, but you know when we were moving, we were carrying that ark around here the other day? Well, there's some really weird circumstances that God used for those people to bring down the walls of Jericho. But just in case you're wondering, the walls of Jericho had two walls. The first wall was six feet wide, and the second wall was 52 feet high. This was a real wall. That, this is not like a little landscape wall I'm talking about. This was a walled city. But this is the scripture that was brought to me in that book. So in 2016, <coughs> we had another bad year. I'm, I'm trying to relate to you. I'm blessed. I know God's with me. I wasn't worried that I wasn't going to make it in 2016. But God brings these circumstances to us. What good is this word? What good is all this power if we don't have, ever get to use it? In 2016, it was some difficult circumstances in my life, and I had read this book. I knew about all this stuff. And so I, basically it was some issues going on with my career that were bothering me a little bit. And um, I said, well, I don't have to put up with this. I'm going to try the uh, circle maker trick. So I was in the office over there at um, Bon Carre off of Florida Boulevard, big office complex over there. That's, that's where my, my office was and, and the firm I was working with. So what did I do except I just got out there in my car one day. I drove that big block. For those of you that know Bon Carre, it used to be a big, it used to be Bon Marche Shopping Center before they turned it into an uh, a office complex. It's, it's quite a few blocks. So I got out there in my car. I made the block. 
I counted it. You got to stop two or three times because they got a lot of traffic signals running there, but I made sure I kept good count. And I made the second lap, and I'm counting it. By the third time I went around, there's some guy sitting on a pew on a little bus bench over there. He's like, hey, I think I've seen him before. <laughs> I came back around. He started wave at me. <laughs> Guess what? I didn't stop. Ohoni, in the book I read, he didn't stop. He kept going. He kept going. Joshua and his generation, they didn't stop on five trips around the walls. They said, God told us to go around seven times. I said, I'm going seven times. So you know what happened. I went around seven times. I got pretty friendly with that guy by the seventh time I went around. I don't know how many miles that was or how long it took me, but I put seven miles. I put seven circles around that office complex over there. So I see I'm out of time. Yeah, you want to know what happened? Somebody called me out of the blue from another firm and said, wow, Anthony, if you ever want to look at doing something else, come over here and talk to us. And I went over to a great company, got a, a great job and got away from that. Unfortunately, that wasn't all that happened. Some of the people over there in the company that were doing ridiculous things, they didn't do so well at the company. And after I moved on and was blessed in my new situation for two or three years, unfortunately, the company went bankrupt. They are no more. I don't take any pleasure in that. I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just telling you, you spend a lot of time coming to church. You spend a lot of time reading this word right here. You, you, some people say you sacrifice because you don't go do other things and you, you do what this word says. This is powerful what I'm talking about right here. Your time that you spend reading this word and applying these principles is not a waste. So I'm hastening to, to close here, but I just uh, ask you today, what is your Jericho? You know, I'm, I'm just being honest with you, more, more honest. I wish I didn't tell you about those difficult times I had, uh, but it's okay. I, I don't think I'm tough, but I know somebody that's tough. God has power. He looks out for me. I don't have to worry about, you know, it's a possibility that 2018, 2019 might be a tough year. I've had a couple of tough years, maybe more than that if I want to be really honest, but it's okay. God's not out of power yet. So in, in closing here, I know that um, I'm not going to ask you to be quite as honest as I have, but I just suppose that in a group of the size that we have right here, some of you might have come here with a need tonight. It's Wednesday night. We knew not a lot of people were going to be here, but just perchance someone may have come with a need. You might have a Jericho in your life. And why don't you stand as we close here? Whatever your Jericho is, uh, I would encourage you, to just know you don't have to you don't have to deal with that. You know, God told Joshua that they were going to conquer that city a long time before, and it took them quite a while to get there. And it didn't come easily like they thought. You know, this they're like, well, surely some army is just going to go take it and we'll get it. No, God used a specific circumstance to work that out. But in the stories that I have told you tonight about my family and, and me, I hope you know that. I'm, I'm not trying to say that there's anything special about me. You know, I call that little family meeting and we read Deuteronomy 28. Forget me. There was nothing I'd done. What, what I did got us in the problem that we had, but it was the power that brought us out of that. When I was in that difficult situation at the company over there and when I had to, to rely on the, the circle-making process that I learned from Mark Batterson about Honai, I got myself into that situation 
but God is the one that got me out of it. But in closing tonight, uh, why don't you come around the front here, and we're going to uh, say a prayer and, and sing just a little bit. And, you know, if there's some of you that, I, as I said, I know there's some of you that have read the word much more than me, that know much more than me, but there maybe is someone who hasn't tried this yet. Or maybe a lot of us can do more. I just challenge you, dig into this word, take a journey into the word. And, you know, the last thing I'm going to tell you tonight is, and, and this has come to me in the last three days when I pretty much already had this prepared uh, to speak to you. I talked about what you read and what you hear is what you are. And then I've talked about some of the power that comes with it when you apply this word in your life. And the last thing I'm going to tell you tonight is, just in case you think maybe it might not work this time, maybe I might not be able to quite get it right, let me just put your mind at ease. Jeremiah 1.21 is a very powerful scripture that just came to me in the last two or three days. I've, I have looked at this from several different interpretations. I, I like to do that sometimes to make sure I get the point and, and I get lots of different options, but... It says in one version, Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. I'm talking about when you read this word. I'm talking about when you use this word, what's going to happen. And I told you there's power that comes with it. Here's a promise from God. He's saying, if you got anything going on in your life, if, if 1994 and 2016 wasn't your last bad year, if you have another one, guess what? Try my word. Here's what I'm going to do. Another interpretation says, Then said Jehovah unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I watch over my word to perform it. Another interpretation says, The Lord said, You have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. I'm just telling you tonight, if, if you are facing your Jericho, God has simply said, you have my word. And not only do you have my word, and not only have you seen what it's going to do in the past, but me and the angels are sitting here. We are actively listening. We are watching over our word, and we're going to make sure to perform it. What a tragedy, what an embarrassment if I applied the word of God, if I told you all this and it didn't work. God has said he's not going to let that happen. He he's all the 3,600 years of day that was included in the word, the 1,500 years it took them to write it. He's got a lot invested right here. He said, don't worry, Anthony. You go tell them whatever you want to. You just tell them to read the word. You just tell them to quote it. You just tell them to apply it. I have people on standby. We are watching over this word to perform it. I'm going to say a prayer here. I just... Uh, I'm sorry I was a little bit dramatic on a few points. I hope that somewhere you can, can look through the, the stories I've told and just see this word. Uh, Pastor is so amazing at preaching this word. But if we come here on a daily basis, a weekly basis, listen to this word he preaches, read this word ourselves, find you a Bible reading plan. If you want to read the hard Bible, that's fine. I'm one of the few people that carries around a, a paper Bible. It, it works on uh, U version. It works on iP iPod. What was it? iPhones. It works on podcasts. This word works wherever you find it. God is watching over 
to perform it. So whatever works for you, find the word, read it, and God is standing by, and he's going to come there and perform it. Dear God, thank you for <coughs> bringing us into the house tonight. Take what little bit I've said, God, and somehow take out all the mistakes and all the stuttering and just let your people see that you you went to such lengths to get this word to them. You used so many people. You used so many different walks of life. It took you so many years working with people to get this word to them. Help us, God, to know what we have. God, when there's a copy on our coffee table, when there's a copy in our car, when we have the word on our nightstand, when we have it on our iPhone with us 24-7, when we can listen and find your word anytime, God, help us not to look past it. Help us not to rely on ourself. Help us not to rely on our job. Help us not to rely on our lawyer, our doctor, anybody around us. Help us, God, to know you have the answer right here. You have given it to us already, and all we have to do is call out. And you are standing by to perform your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hear the prayers of your people right now.